0: Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. My name is Tim Barton, and I'm one of the pastors here. Um, So let me just say this. I was about to call out a child by name and help them find their parents because I know where their parents are. (laughs) I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Oh, she found her grandparent. We're good. Um, if, if your child went out and you're staying for this service, now is the time that you need to go get them and bring them back, just to be clear, um, so that we have no confusion there, because um, today is our family worship day where our children in kindergarten through fifth grade are here with us. So again, my name's Tim Barton. I'm one of the pastors here. And it is a joy, and it is a privilege to come any week to open the Word of God together. Um, I'm especially grateful for all the work that goes in with our, with our children and students and that they're able to come and lead us today uh, because the Lord tells us to come to His Word with a childlike faith. And we're going to talk more about that as we go today. Today's Palm Sunday, and we've been talking about it throughout the service. We read about the triumphal entry. We see the people shouting out, Hosanna, save us, deliver us. And we're reminded that Jesus rode into town on a donkey. And as he rode into town, the people were worshiping him as the king. They were worshiping him as the Messiah, the one they had been looking forward to, um, to, to save them from all they were going through. And so they laid their coats on the ground. And it was a symbol of saying, we place ourselves under you, Jesus. We place ourselves under your authority. It was an affirmation. It was like, Jesus, you're our king. You're the one we want to reign in our lives. And then they show honor to him by by spreading palm branches under him. And throwing those palm branches down in the culture was a symbol of joy. You're our deliverer. You are our source of joy, they were saying. And he was surrounded again by all those crying out, Hosanna. They were pleading with him, save us now, save us now, deliver us now. All that's going on. But many of them were not ready for Jesus. We're going to see in our passage this morning that as Jesus comes into town, he goes into the temple. The people there, the religious leaders and others there, thought they were ready for Jesus. But they really weren't. And so when Jesus arrives at the temple, he responds to them and to their not being ready for him. And in his response, we're going to see two things today. Um, We're going to see his negative response to them, so to speak, or response because of their negative things. But in that, we're going to see two things that should characterize the temple then and the church today. And so as we look at God's word this morning, I want to invite you to ask this question of yourselves and, and of us as a church body. Are we ready for Jesus? Are we ready for Jesus? Are you ready for Jesus in your own heart this morning? Are we ready for him as a church body? So let's read together from Matthew chapter 21. We're going to read verses 12 through 17. And as we do so, I remind you um, that this is God's perfect and holy word. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babes you have prepared praise? And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. And so again, I think we can see in Jesus' response that there are two things that should categorize the temple then and the church today from this passage. The first thing is that it should be a place that is inviting to those who need Jesus. Now let me just pause. I'm going to ask the kids help for a minute. I'm kind of looking around to find them. Kids, this isn't a trick question, I promise. Okay? Who needs Jesus? Somebody call it out. Everyone. Everyone. That's right. Everyone. Okay, so... It's to be an inviting place for all who need Jesus. It's to be an inviting place for everyone, from all people groups, from all backgrounds, from all socioeconomic classes. It's to be an inviting place for everyone. Now, let's look at verse 12 and 13 again. It says, "'Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple, "'and he overturned the tables of the money changers "'and the seats of those who sold pigeons.'" And he said to them, "It is written, "My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers." Now maybe you all know this already, but I'm just going to share a little bit of the kind of the layout of the temple just to get a picture of what's going on here, because the temple um, itself was the holy place. and then within, and that's where the, the priest uh, ministered and sacrificed. There within the holy place. And then with inside that was a smaller area called the Holy of Holies or the most holy place. And that's where the, the high priest could go one time a year. Right, That's an oversimplification. But that's that's what's going on right there in the temple. And then as part of the temple courts, there are concentric circles where with each, each um, area having a different function. I'm not going to tell you about all those until you get to the outer area which is the court of the Gentiles, it's where the foreigners would come uh, to worship, those who, were not, who had not been Jewish but had been grafted in, right? And so they could come and they would worship there. Again, that's a simple version. There's a lot more. Um, but for today's purposes, that's what we need to know. Because it's there that we see Jesus coming in um, and, and where, where we see the action that takes place here. Okay, so this is a very practical situation, that's going on right in front of us. Because during Passover, Jews traveled long distances to come to Jerusalem for the Passover, the Passover celebration. And so people traveling would find it difficult to bring sacrifices with them. Would it be easier to show up and get the sacrifice when you get there or to keep it with you, have to water, have to feed it, all those things along the way? practically speaking, it made a lot of sense to do it this way. I mean, most of us, when we go on vacation, we don't buy food until we get close to where we're staying, right? Something that that simple. It made practical sense. But there were problems with it. It opened the temple courts up to things being abused there. It, It made it into a, it kind of brought in the chaos of the marketplace. And so let's talk about that for a minute. Two things I think were going on here. One, you have money changers. And the money changers were there because people were coming from all over the place. And so as they came with whatever currency they brought, as they came, they needed that to be changed into temple coins so that they could pay the temple tax and purchase the sacrificial animals. It doesn't seem like, okay, yeah, that's good. They did that. But they, they, the exchange rate was so high The percentage was so high that as they did that, it would end up costing someone about half a day's wages to be able to come and just change the money, right? So there was extortion going on there, so to speak. Then there were those that were selling the sacrificial animals. Now, you remember from the Old Testament, probably, that a sacrificial animal had to be without blemish. Everybody track it with me, all right? It had to be without blemish, and so there were those who would inspect these animals at the temple, kind of like temple inspectors. Okay. What do you think they might have started doing to the animals that were being brought when people brought the animals with them? Hmm. They'd look at the animal. Jewish historian Josephus says there was a lot of, the, uh, here's a lot of what was going on, looking at the animal and going, yep, nope, that one's rejected. You're going to have to buy one from the temple. Pretty manipulative pretty sales-oriented in that sense. And so most were rejected. The people were forced to buy them from the temple. That's bad enough. But a pair of doves or a pair of pigeons, just those sacrifices would have cost about 50 times more if you bought it in the temple than if you bought it elsewhere. You see what's going on here? It became a marketplace to get the most out of whatever they could, get get everything they could out of the people. And ultimately, many of the poor people were being taken advantage of. And then you add to that the chaos of the situation, all right? There's millions of people coming within the temple courts during this Passover time. They're yelling, they're selling, they're dealing, they're arguing. Animal carts are being wheeled around everywhere. Money's changing hands. So you start to get that picture of what's going on there. And it's in that environment. It's that environment into which Jesus walks. Jesus comes into that environment and he overturns the tables. And he drives out all who sold and bought in the temple, it says. And when he does so, he tells them, quoting from Isaiah 56, verses 6 through 7, my house is to be a house of prayer. It's to be for everyone, even the foreigners and the outsiders who love the name of the Lord, who wanted to serve him and would hold fast to his covenant. But then he also tells them in Jeremiah 7 11, he's quoting Jeremiah seven eleven, which talked about hypocritical worshipers. And they were the ones that were the den of robbers in Jeremiah. And so what he's doing is he's tying that in and saying, you're hypocritical worshipers. You're turning my house into a den of robbers. You're not really here to worship him, to worship me. So I think the passage is showing two things then. Two things the leaders were doing wrong. One, they were justifying their behavior just simply because it was something that was practical. But two, they were taking advantage, even as they spoke of religious things, they were were just concerned about making money. And then two, they were taking advantage of this very practical need, and they were making it difficult for the poor and the needy to come. And so rather than being a house of prayer and worship, they were using the situation to manipulate and ultimately rob the poor and needy. But even more than that, it was preventing them access to their worship of God. It was keeping them away. This made Jesus mad. You know, often people want to talk about, well, I have righteous anger. And a lot of times that's not, it's not true. Our anger is not always righteous, right? Sometimes it is. But Jesus's was. It was righteous anger. He saw what was going on. He saw that the people's worship was hindered. He saw that they were being distracted from what God said was good. He saw that it prevented the temple from being a place that was inviting the, to those who needed a Savior, who needed Jesus. Now, just pause for a second. For us, right? I said, you know, the temple then, the church now. Now. For us, if we were to apply, to apply this, do we ever make Jesus accessible only to those who have it together? I would say not intentionally, but I share a little story with you about a little over a month ago, somewhere in that time range. I really don't remember exactly. It might have been two months ago. But I'm standing in the back and I'm filling in in the check-in area. Um, in the children's check-in area, which basically means I'm standing there smiling because, yeah, I'm not very good at it. But um, I'm standing back there, I'm filling in in the check-in area, and this little boy comes running up to me, just so joyful, right? And he comes running up to me, and he said, Pastor Tim, Pastor Tim! I said, yeah, he goes, do you love the clothes that I'm wearing? (laughs) Now, of course, I said, that's awesome, dude, and I fist-bumped him, you know, and, and he went on his way. But what are we doing? What are we doing to say that that's what that little boy needs, that make him think that's what he needs to come to Jesus? Or maybe it's the person who is good at hiding the problems in their life, but they actually have just as many as everyone else? Are we welcoming them? Are we welcoming them to bring their problems, the things going on in their lives, and then their marriages and all these things we've talked about? Or maybe we're making it hard to be accessible to the person. You know, When we look at, okay, there's the, per, there's the people who are easy for us, right? All of us have those people that are just easy for us. And yet there's other people that are challenges for us. Are we making things accessible even to the people that are challenges for us? And then there's the actual poor, the actual widow, the actual orphan. Kids and students, for you, it may be that it's the person at school who you wouldn't want anyone else to know that you talk to. Or maybe the person that you think you're better than. In verse 14, Jesus gives a direct demonstration of what's wrong with the approach of the religious leaders. He shows that most of the religious leaders of the day would not allow the lame or the blind or the deaf to make sacrifices in the temple. And they do that based on a misappropriation of a passage in 2 Samuel. But Jesus invites those people. Look at verse 14. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Jesus is making a clear point that would not have been missed. Those whom he drove out were those that everyone would have thought deserved to be there. They were the ones everyone would have thought deserved to be there. They spoke of religious things, but they were attached to money, to the material things, to things being like they wanted them to look. And in doing so, they kept those who they knew, who, who knew that they need, needed Jesus, they kept them away. And so Jesus says, my house is to be a house of prayer. And he shows us by his actions that it's to be a place that is inviting to those who need him. The second thing we see in this passage that should characterize the temple then and the church today is really a continuation from the first. I really just needed a second point, so um, I had to tell the first service that was funny. I'm glad some of you laughed. (laughs) The second thing is that it needs to be a welcoming place for the childlike to praise Jesus a welcoming place for the childlike to praise Jesus. Look at verses 15 through 17 again. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise? And leaving them, he went to the city of, to, went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. The religious leaders here saw what Jesus did. They heard the children crying out, Hosanna. And it says they were indignant. You know what that word means? Kids, you know what that means? It means to be very displeased with anger towards something that's, that's not fair. All right, let me give you an example. If you and your friend or you and your brother and sister, or brother or sister, let's say you did the exact same thing that was wrong. All right? Everybody with me so far? You did the exact same thing that was wrong, and then your parents or your teacher or somebody, they come to you and they say, you're not in trouble, but you're in trouble. Would that make you mad? Would that make you indignant? Somebody nod Yes. I'm pretty sure it would. All right. That's what's going on here. They're they're seeing this and they're like, it just makes them indignant. It makes them angry. And they were the most angry because they saw that Jesus was claiming to be the Messiah, He was claiming to be the hope. He did that by cleansing the temple. See in Malachi 3, 1 through 4, it says that the the Savior who is to come, the Deliverer, was going to purify the temple. And we see that also in Ezekiel. And then he also did it, now as we see the children praising him. Their praises said the same thing. This Jesus was the Savior and the Messiah, the one who had come to deliver them. See, the leaders thought they knew better than Jesus. They could not believe that he was allowing this, and they could not believe what he was claiming to be. That's why they ask in verse 16, do you hear what these children are saying? Do you hear what these children are saying? And if I could paraphrase how Jesus answered, Jesus said, yep, I hear them. And this is what they should be doing. It's what they should be doing. Their praise is good and it's right. His actual response is from Psalm 8, and it was speaking about direct praise to God. It's the psalm that starts with, Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And it's talking about direct praise to God. And it says, Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babes, you have prepared praise. He's telling them, The kids are right. Our kids this morning, as they're singing, they're right. They get it. And it's true that the children may have been repeating what they heard earlier in the day, but they're repeating it without all the inhibitions, without all the the worries and all the concerns. They're just saying, this is the truth. This is who he is. And there's childlike faith to say it without worry, without fear. Fear. Jesus says, you religious leaders may not be praising me for who I am. You may be too distracted with who you are, with what you're trying to accomplish. But these children get it. A couple quick things from that. One, I believe this is talking about literal the literal children praising him. Jesus is saying that the children with their childlike faith, their joyous praise, They're all welcome. We saw earlier, we we can see earlier in Matthew chapter 19, verse 14, he says, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. But I think this is also for all of us. We all need to become more like children as we come to God. Here's what I mean. It doesn't mean immature. It means more childlike in our faith. Earlier in Matthew 18, verses 2 to 3, Jesus said, And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn, unless you change, and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. How do you come? It's by becoming childlike, humble. Willing to learn, willing to praise Jesus, understanding that only He, only He can fulfill our deepest need. And so I'll bring it back around this morning. Are you, are we ready for Jesus? Are we ready to ask him to keep making us humble? To keep changing us so that we are willing to learn and willing to praise him above all else? Are we ready for Jesus? Are are we realizing our need for his presence in our lives? Our need for his authority? You see, if we are recognizing and growing in our understanding of our need for his authority, what has to happen to us? we got to let go of control. We've got to ask Him to change us, Him to grow us, learn to trust Him. And are we ready for Jesus? Are, are we inviting others with the same needs that we have? Not picking and choosing, but saying, Lord, you lead us to who you want us to invite to Jesus. And you change us so that we will welcome them when they come. We all have the same needs. One of our elders in between services said it just struck him, and I think it's, it's right. It's like the world qual- calls for equality and all these things, but only the gospel makes us equal. Because the gospel says we all have a desperate need and that need is the same. I don't care where we're from, what we've experienced, where where we're going. We all have the same need. And that need is Jesus. Are we ready for Jesus? Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.